Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to My Evangel Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And today, we're going to be talking about mission. If you joined us last week, you heard us say that you need to have mission in front of you in order to find fulfillment in life. Uh, we're going to dig into that a little bit. And what does mission look like in the context of a COVID season with restrictions and all of that? So all of that coming right up. sticking with us. Well, today we are doing our last of our three regroup panels, looking at some of the values that we all hold and creating an action plan to move forward because staying where we are just doesn't work anymore. And so today we are talking about mission, which is that outward focus, that outward trajectory of our lives and so we know that this is something as christ followers that we've been called to we've been called to love the lord our god but we've also called we have been called to love our neighbors mm -hmm. as ourselves and that's not just an internal attitude thing i mean it is but it's also an external action-based thing as well. And so that's what our conversation is going to be about this morning. And we want this conversation to be more than just the three of us. We want to have a conversation with you as well. So we are in the chat with you, but we would love to hear your thoughts around mission, even as we share our thoughts here on the screen. So make sure that you're typing in your answers as well. Well, we know that we've been called to mission, but that is sometimes a hard thing to actually do. So what are some of the barriers that we face in regards to mission? Well, um, to begin, I think we need to define what a biblical worldview is around the mission of the gospel. So when Jesus left us on this earth and his disciples, he gave them the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And, and so we have to address mission that way. And so, especially today, it gets a little confusing because sometimes we can kind of rest on good deeds exclusively as being missional. Uh, sometimes we can, particularly uh, today, social justice issues, being a part of social justice movements, we can feel like we're a part of, um, quote unquote, mission but we can't separate the gospel of Jesus from the deeds of the Christian and the believer. Those two things have to be um, together. They have, there has to be a marriage of those things to some degree. And we use the discernment of the Spirit, of course, in every situation. Um, it doesn't mean every time you do a good deed, you got to get on your soapbox and preach the gospel. But we do have to be mindful. Um, actually, before we started this, we were talking about the quote... Um, which is often attributed to, to Francis of Assisi, although we kind of fact-checked it and he doesn't <laughs> quite say it the way that it comes across, but you would know it, you know, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Uh, unfortunately, I think the church has kind of taken that idea and has swung it to a place where we feel comfortable just doing good deeds. Right. And we kind of separate that and divorce that from the gospel. But those things have to be married together in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, that's the motivations of our heart. And, and that's 
So when we talk about mission, being missional, that's what we're talking about. This gospel, this commission, this vocation that we've all been called to in establishing God's kingdom um, through our lives here and now. Yeah, and I think that can be on the flip side almost a barrier too, using that quote and kind of what the premise of it was is that uh, the monks would have their lives match their words. And I think sometimes a barrier for us can be knowing that our lives don't match mm -hmm. our words right. and feeling like the people that are closest to us, because we live in a small town, um, know what we're really like mm -hmm. and having that like, mm, yeah. do I want to put my faith out there? And re realizing that none of us are going to walk this thing out perfectly. And I, and I don't, I don't mean to like beat this down uh, too much, but <laughs> But I think that it's easier often to like do the good deed than it is to share the gospel. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so we almost feel like we're like, oh, well, I did my good deed for the day, uh, which I say all the time. But, you know, I've done my good deed for the day. And so we feel like that's enough. But I think there are some times when we need to do that hard work. And, and Romans 10, 14, it says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Yeah. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And so Paul kind of develops this um, argument that, that how are we expecting these people to believe in Jesus Christ when they haven't even heard of him, when nobody shared that gospel with them, yeah. when nobody has actually said what that is. And so I think that it needs to be that marriage of both. And, and I think you spoke to another barrier in that, who am I in all of my brokenness to preach this, this yeah. pure kind of gospel good news because I'm a hypocrite. I think hypocrisy is the result of self-righteous people who don't share an angst around their brokenness. I think if you have an angst about your brokenness and you feel unworthy to preach the gospel to declare yourself a believer in Jesus, you don't have it all together. If you have that angst, you're not self-righteous. And I, I think in, in terms of hypocrisy, you're not hypocritical. Right. Hip hypocritical is reserved for those that are self-righteous. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between those two. And so don't let that be a barrier uh, because perfection was never the prerequisite to being on mission. <laughs> True. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, good, good <laughs> that thing. you knew that we were all gonna fumble and fall uh, over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I think another big barrier is that the needs around us are great. Mm -hmm. That's what I was supposed to say. And it can feel overwhelming. Yeah. Um, to step into them and to like allow God to break our heart for our community. It can be overwhelming. Um, just to see and go, what am I supposed to do with my limited time and my right. limited energy and my yeah. one voice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you, you say that and I was just about to say that because we're similar in personality. Yeah. And so for us, we would, if like on the Enneagram, we're a one. And so we like to be those who, who reform and bring good to those around us. Um, and so sometimes when I'm even like locally, but also as I've traveled globally, you see this like sheer... Um, overwhelming need, mm -hmm. both like spiritual, but also physical and also like all of those kind of needs that we need to, to fulfill. And so it can just feel so overwhelming that it's like, well, 
where, like, where do we even start? Or like, what is my one drop in the pond actually going to do? Yeah. Um, and so my dad and I have actually been able to go overseas together. And on one of these trips, I was kind of expressing that, that thing with him. And he, he said to me something which that's like always, always, always stuck with me. And he said, he said, Marcus, you're never going to change the world or you likely won't change the world, but you may be able to change one person's world and that's enough. And so in those moments, I'm like, oh, and so sometimes that barrier can seem so high and, and with COVID is so layered. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that's just like a good piece of advice that kind of quiets that like overwhelming fear that I think that sometimes you and I face. Yeah. And, and we've had this conversation. I, I remember we've had the conversation about uh, we, we've sort of raised a generation saying you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. You can do it. You're going to be a history maker. You're going to you're gonna be a world changer. <clears throat> and and the the mindset or the, or the filter you place that through is this grandiose, big, big, world-changing, uh, huge impact, global impact. Here's the reality. Oftentimes the gospel and the mission of the gospel that you're called to might look a lot simpler than that. Yeah. And so don't let this idea of the grandeur or, or the greatness of the need um, keep you from just doing the small things, the little things. Uh, you know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Um, well, you know what? The journey of being missional starts with a single step. Yeah. And I think it can be really easy to look at people that are maybe doing the grandiose, mm -hmm. right? We right. have our global partners yes. and we see what they're doing and we think like in relation to them, yeah. mm -hmm. um, what, what can I do? And it's easier to just fund them <laughs> than to do the work ourselves. But the reality is God has called each of us right. to go into the world, to preach the gospel, to make yeah. disciples. And what I keep reminding myself is that um, the weight of that, that weight of having people come to know Jesus isn't actually mine to carry. Yeah. I'm just called to be faithful in the That's moment, um, to share my story, the hope that we have, right? To do the things that God calls me to and the weight is actually his because he's pursuing our right. friends and our family and our yeah. community. Yeah. And that's just one of the ways that um, for me, again, as a one, has helped me get out of my own way. Mm. And I think we all have these barriers and in a little bit of a different way than the panels we've talked about before, this isn't really overcoming barriers. This is getting out of our way to be obedient right. to what God's called us to do. Because allowing them to be there is actually sinful. Mm. It's disobeying what God's called us to, and we have to mm. call that for what it is. Uh, that's sin. Mm. And so how do we get out of our own way to just say yes? to what God's asking us. For. Yeah, as we were kind of, as I was rereading these questions today, yeah. um, I actually thought back to one of the series that we're doing at Youth right now, um, where we're doing like a, it's, it's a branch off of Youth Alpha, um, but it's instead of like you learning for yourself uh, about faith and exploring faith, it's how you share your faith with those around you. Um, and Danielle Strickland uh, did one of the sessions and it was like incredible, just like mind blowing for mm -hmm. me, where she talked about shifting the narrative of how we think and, and speak and so she often said, like, when my inabilities and the sheer need around me and when my lack, like we already talked about, when that becomes an excuse, 
uh, to not share the gospel with people, it means that we've placed ourselves in the middle of the narrative. Mm. And I was like, ugh, because <laughs> that's just like such a, such a gut punch, um, because it's so true. It's so true that oftentimes the narrative is wrapped around us. Well, what if I don't have the right words? Well, what if I don't have the right, like, scripture verse to share? Or what if I don't have the right, like, particular contextual way of sharing it with them? And so she said, so I just asked myself different questions when I, when I get there. She asked, how can I love here? How can I serve here? How can I help people here? And she said, once she asked herself those questions, her posture begins to change. Yeah. And I think that's such, a, such an interesting thought for me, is like, who am I placing in the center of this narrative? Um, and so it's just such a like, it, I feel like I'm still like mulling that over and kind of chewing on that. And so um, I think that's one way that we can kind of remove ourselves is to remove ourselves from the center of the narrative. Because <laughs> ultimately that person is, should be Jesus and should be that other person. And, and, and if, if that person is Jesus, he is literally a fundamental part of our lives mm-hmm. um, we need to act as if that is a truth right because mm-hmm. same the same video actually daniel strick and it was it was, it was a great really video. It was rich. It was so rich. Good. you know it's our right now media <laughs> yeah um and she she talked about how she went with jogging with a friend and this friend mm-hmm. was a non-believer and she was a believer at the time and the friend kind of took her aback for a moment because she said um can you not like, am I a friend or am I a project? And she was referring to, to Daniel's faith. And so she, she said, like, I don't want you to talk about Jesus, just talk about God or talk right. about your faith around me um, because I don't want to be a project. I want to be a friend. But then Daniel Strickland kind of reversed that and, and, and said, well, w- wait a second. Um, am, am I a project or am I a friend? Because this faith is... is like the biggest part of who I am. Right. This Jesus is the biggest part. of. So am, am I a friend or just a project? And I think sometimes that barrier can be in place where we feel like if we bring up Jesus or faith in, in whatever context we're in, that somehow we're making people projects or somehow we're, um, there needs to be this separation. But if Jesus is fundamentally at the center of your life, um, that's gonna bleed just naturally in all areas of your life and that's okay um that's that's what we're called to yeah i think piggybacking off of that we are used to separating our faith and our spiritual lives from the other parts of our lives Mm -hmm. we compartmentalize things Mm -hmm. which sometimes makes it awkward i know i've been at like starbucks with girlfriends and they'll bring up a faith conversation and kind of looking around to go well who's listening because it feels compartmentalized. Like that's not what is supposed to happen in Starbucks. Um, that's a conversation that's supposed to happen in the church lobby. Mm-hmm. And if we get into the habit and the practice of decompartmentalizing our life, mm-hmm. where faith does bleed yeah. everywhere because it really is important to us. And so it should be things we talk about in Starbucks or on yeah. the drives to work and all of those things. Um, then it becomes easier the next time mm-hmm. yeah. and the next yeah. time and yeah. the next time. And I think another way that we sometimes, or, or a way that we can get, get out of the way, ourselves out of the way, is to kind of allow yourself permission to not have a timeline. Yeah. 
Um, I know that some people feel like, you know, okay, well, I've had my initial conversation with them, and now I can talk to them about Jesus. Or like, now I can share that gospel message and ask them if they want to believe. And I think that sometimes we place a timeline on the mission. Um, and I think that that can be such a, such a way that we insert ourselves into moments that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and I often think about um, one of the Peters. I can't, I can't remember exactly which one it is, but it says, God is not slow. Uh, as some count slowness, but he's patient, um, hmm. waiting that all should come to, to repentance. And so I think that we need to sometimes adopt that, yeah. that patience in, yeah. our, in our mission, recognizing that it may take a lifetime to, to walk that person towards Jesus or to have him draw them to him. And so I think that sometimes that can be such a big way that we insert ourselves in when we should. Yeah. You know, as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about moments in my life. And it's awkward. Where, where I've like sat down for coffee with someone i'm like this might be the only and so i just like nail it like right all the way jesus to death resurrection <laughs> what that means for you like just yeah. make sure i hit all of the gospel kind of points the four spiritual laws whatever you want to say and and i look back and i kind of hang my head a little bit and go okay lucas was that the spirit working through you or is that you kind of trying to just hit an agenda right. and, and kind of nail somebody. Um, and uh, I kind of look back on those moments and go, okay, Lord, if I had that back, I would do it different. Cringe as well many times. Yeah, lots, <laughs> lots of cringe We've moments. We've all had them. And so I think going like way back to the start of this, that's where the discernment piece comes in of yeah. just having a sensitivity to the spirit to go, you know what, is this, is this a good deeds moment that's motiva motivated by my faith? where, right, we are still called to be people of good deeds. Yeah. Um, or is this a moment where I get to speak of the hope that I found right. in the person of Jesus? And if we are sensitive and listening to the voice of yeah. the Spirit, we're going to know which one it is. Hmm. But again, all things need to come back. Why are we doing this? We're not doing it just to be good people. Mm -hmm. We're doing this because we have the hope and the love of God. And we... Right don't yeah. have to do this alone. Yeah. And yeah. I wanna just really touch on that, especially as we talked about community and our families, that sometimes we look at mission and we think that it is all on me, right? Um, this is something that God's put on my heart hmm. and so now it's all on me. And the reality is <laughs> uh, we are called to community and we're called to a faith community for a reason. Yeah because I don't have what it takes by myself right. to meet all of the needs around me. And we have a beautiful lady in our, in our church right now whose heart is this, uh, to say, you know what? I see so many things in Pell River and I don't have the capacity, but I am willing to connect people with right with those that love Jesus who can meet that need. And I think that's such a beautiful reflection of God's heart yeah. for faith community yes. to remember that you don't have to do this alone. I want to flip the tables on us for a second because it is one thing to, not for real, not like Jesus. Could you imagine? Can you, that'd be real. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the blooper reel. No, yeah. not coming. But um, I think there's, there has to be a giving and a receiving. Otherwise, we can very quickly 
become those self-righteous people Mm -hmm. who posture themselves above, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need anything. Just out of my lofty position, I get to give and give and give. And I know that this is something that I have a hard time with is receiving help. Um, And I think if we are going to be a good reflection of God's heart, uh, we need to learn how to both give, but we also need to learn how to receive. And so in a society that prides independence so greatly, how do we overcome that to become people who can both give but receive? Well, I mean, you spoke to priding independent. Independence is a value of our society and our culture. You know, we raise our kids to be independent. Um, but independence is not a biblical value. Um, community, dependence, dependence on God, dependence on the Spirit, dependence on one another is a biblical value. And so really independence on a fundamental level is is not the biblical worldview and I think part of that is just wrestling that to the ground in our own (laughs) lives and realizing that dependence is a part of biblical value I don't have many I don't have many answers for this one Um, but one that that has come up uh, just recently for me is I was in one of our retreats that we do to become ordained and we were the the one that they were talking about is, is pastoral care and so we heard a session from, from uh, actually the registrar of the school that I went to who was also a registered clinical counselor. And so she was saying like pastors and, and people, because this was our context, are like clinically horrible at asking for help or, or getting help that they need. And, and she said something that was just so profound. She's like, if you need to reframe the reason that you're getting help in order for you to get help, do mm-hmm. it. So what I mean by that is instead of being like, I need to go to counseling because of this, um, you could say, well, I am going to a counselor because it's going to help me care for my congregation better. Yeah. Or for a different context, I'm going to ask for help or ask this person if they can go for a coffee with me because they need to talk with something because I know that the end of this conversation will help me be a better friend or help me be mm-hmm. a better person or help me be a better fill in the blank. Um, and so sometimes it, it's about reframing yeah. that thought in order to, to do it. Um, and, and almost like tricking yourself uh, into doing it. It's like reverse psychology, but like on, on yourself. Um, and so I think that reframing that is always, is something that I was like, well, it's so good. Um, that was really helpful for me. Yeah, I think we all have like a deep-seated motivation as to why we don't want to receive help. Um, and so I've had to check in with myself <laughs> to go so like why why would your gut instinct be to say no and sometimes that's um like you know what i don't want to inconvenience this person or um you know what like i just don't think i think they're offering but that's not a wise thing for them to offer at the moment and so sometimes it's that but sometimes it's i don't want them to think less of me or this is my carefully crafted persona that i want the world to see and so receiving Hmm. help uh, shatters that and neither one of those are very (laughs) Christ-like right they're both they're both rooted out of of, of pride yeah really is is the foundation of both of those and so it's 
checking back in to go, okay, what am I believing in this moment that is shaping my yes or my no? And then asking, okay, God, like, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to receive help or I'm going to reach out for help. Um, and you need to do the deeper work in me to overcome yeah. uh, those things that are, are standing in the way. And, and I will say living in Powell River for both of us and, and Marcus, I'm sure as you you'll continue, it. you'll experience this. Um, you guys, and I'm thinking like I have faces going through my head right now where you do this so well. Yeah. You're not taking advantage of people. You're not so true. You're not being needy or but you go, hey, can you come over and help me with this or that? Or or hey, can I come help you with that? And so there's this kind of mutual community around just getting things done. I just think of yeah. like just the most practical things um, where I've experienced that probably more here. Yeah. Cognitively. Now maybe when I was a kid in Dauphin, maybe I experienced it there, but <laughs> I didn't today. really know. But I would say is as an adult, cognitively, I've seen it and I've experienced it more here than I ever have in my life. And it's so disarming, like in a good way. Oh, it is. Because I agree with you, like it's incredibly disarming when somebody just like offers to help and does it or asks for help. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Uh, Because it's disarming for me. Because like you said, Lisa, all those same reasons that you say that you're not good at asking for help. So, so am I. Um, And so it's just so disarming in a good way. And so I like that it, that it's been like. Yeah. Almost in a good way, like grading against me or yeah. against my pride. And so, yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a place for mission in all of that. Yeah. yeah. And that's the neat thing. Um, I know when I, when I preached a sermon quite a while ago and I brought up a study, I think it was Berkeley could be wrong, but the study was who is most impacted relationally when someone paid for somebody's meal, mm-hmm. the person who paid for the meal or the person who received the free meal. And studies show that the greater relational connection was actually to the one who paid for the meal, wow, not crazy. the person who received it. Mm-hmm. And they showed that over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think there's something to that. And uh, God can kind of do something special in our hearts relationally with people when we give of ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are in COVID. We're in a weird season to give or receive <laughs> Um, where, especially with this new provincial health order, you know, it's a couple weeks old, I'm still wrapping my head around it. Um, it just feels like the barriers are even larger to be able to be missional, um, in a season where we're really not supposed to see each other and we're not really supposed to be in the same place as other people. And so how can we (laughs) practically be missional right now? within our communities. Now, not to sound cliche, I was actually listening to your dad did a, a devotional this morning online. That's you actually. Oh, did you? <laughs> that, that, the first part about praying, there you go, praying dad. for those in, in governance, those, yes. yeah. those in authority, um, praying. And, and it was a very interesting kind of moment because I thought to myself, you know what? Right now, our knee-jerk reaction is, in order to be missional, is to pick up a protest sign mm-hmm. and protest this or protest that or or fight for our individual rights by the way uh if the gospel and christianity is about fighting for individual rights then jesus failed miserably at it just want you to just ponder that for a moment but pray for those so that you can live peaceably among everyone and so there's this sort of this moment where 
we often discount the power of prayer and mission. Mm -hmm. And I think right now with the inability to kind of be, we can be on our knees, we can be in the presence of Jesus, we can pray for those in authority, those making big decisions right now. And um, let that be part of your mission mm -hmm. and pray for people. Yeah. Just as I'm thinking about it right now, I think one of our greatest missions that we could have right now as a church is to be, is to be in submission. Hmm. Um, and so I think that one of the ways that we can be on mission is wearing your mask and like doing what our, our, the authorities over us that we're praying for have asked us to. Um, because the reality is the world is truly watching us. Um, and uh, we've seen great moments where Dr. Bonnie Henry, for instance, has said, like, faith leaders, you guys have really been doing a great job with, with like, helping us and walking with us and submitting to what we've requested of you. That's a great mission. Yeah. That somebody who yeah. maybe isn't of faith is saying that in a very public setting. And so one of I, I think one of our greatest missions that we can have right now is to be in submission to the authorities over us. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the like verses that really shapes my understanding of local mission um, is is Jeremiah twenty nine verse seven. Everybody loves Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for harm, to prosper you, so on and so on. But Jeremiah twenty nine seven says, "But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare." you will find your welfare. Hmm. And I think that that's such a great encompassing verse because you are to seek the welfare of your city. So in this context, we, we know what that means. And also pray. And so I think it's a marriage of both of those things. And so I just find that such an incredible passage that constantly shapes the way that I, that I see missions locally um, is to seek the welfare of our city. So to, to be a good citizen to care for those people around us, to, to do what's asked of us um, by authority, um, and to pray on its behalf. And, and I think that there's like a mutual um, exchange that happens in that moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, I worked as a young adult in retail, and now we have a daughter who works in customer service, uh, which is a weird, weird thing to say <laughs> to get to that point. But People are getting grumpy. And from my own experience, Christmas makes people grumpier. <laughs> and we are coming to a season where those two things, our COVID frustrations and our Christmas grumpiness are gonna collide. And I think this is a moment that the church can lean into the fruit of the spirit, mm -hmm. that we can be contagiously encouraging yeah. That we can look people in the eye. We can smile so that our eyes crinkle um, underneath our mask. That we can ask how their day is going. That we can truly be a breath of fresh air in a lineup of people that maybe are not having the best attitudes. Right. And we can let that light shine before all men because our attitude in our moments of interaction with people are the heartbeat of Jesus for them right then. Yes. And we are bringers of peace. <laughs> and yeah. I think this is a time, uh, we had this conversation with someone in our lobby. If the church just allowed the fruit of the spirit to grow and be cultivated in their lives right now, while truly the world is watching, it would change the reputation of the church. Mm -hmm.
as a whole, as this faith community, as you individually, as your family, if we just leaned into yeah. that um, relationship with Jesus and allowed him to do that yeah. deep work. Well, we do have a few ways that you can practically um, give, and we're going to link them down below. We wanted to give you a few options, both locally and globally, of some great um, partners who are doing good things in Pell River and around the world. But before we do that, we want to speak to kind of the, um, the origin story to some of these, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, we had a, a group of people who are trying to just relationally be connected through this season from our church. And so they approached us and said, hey, we were having a discussion. We just really feel laid on our hearts to be contributors to our community somehow this Christmas. And so they began to reach out to different places. And so the uh, actually the first, what, three of these came out of four of them came out of this group just going, we want to do something. And so we said to them, hey, you know what? Let's, let's have you carry that out, but let's come behind you as a church and help resource that so we can do and make some impact this Christmas season here being a part of mission. And um, so that's where this kind of came from. So, uh, and we have a number of other great stories that we can't really get into. <laughs> Uh, of people wanting to just make an impact this Christmas and be missional and be love. And so this is, uh, this is exciting. Yeah. So again, because of kind of how everything is happening with COVID, this is a weird year. This is a year where like Operation Christmas Child is asking pack a box online rather yeah. than send in something physical. Um, food drives. Can you just get us gift cards rather than bringing us cans from your home? And so all of these things are really, really accessible mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. all of us to be able to practically do yeah. something this Christmas season with an outward focus. Yep. Yeah, and it, I was just going to say, just as I was thinking about that, um, is that those methods are actually typically more effective for, for a nonprofit then uh, sometimes giving some yep. of those physical things. And so it doesn't maybe feel as fulfilling on your end, but the impact of that actually I think makes greater ripple effect in your community. So I'm not gonna read out this whole list. Um, we will have it in the description of this video on both Facebook and YouTube, and yeah. you will have a page on our website. But we wanna make you aware of one project, and that is Miklat. And we have partnered with Miklat House um, before, and we are really excited to partner with them again. So, if this you don't, Christmas. if you don't know, Miklat is a not-for-profit uh, recovery, twelve-step recovery house that is in Powell River, and um, so yeah, we, we want to be a part of uh, we want to be a part of their mission yeah, this and, Christmas and season. blessing these guys um, that have made that their home in this season of their lives. And so they are doing a building project and we would love to be able to fund as much of that as possible out of the generosity of this church. And we know that this church is so generous. Mm -hmm. And so that is the one project um, of all of the ones that you will see on this, that the money is coming into the church yeah. and we will uh, send that out and so if you are giving in any of those ways 
just make sure that you mark that as um, miklat, M-I-K-L-A-T, and that money will, all of it, 100%, will go to blessing Miklat House. Yes. So we can be a blessing in prayer. We can be a blessing in how we live out our lives and we can be a blessing in our actions. And so would you allow me to pray for you uh, before we go into our announcements? So God, I thank you that you pursued us. You are a God of action and that you have called us as a reflection of you to be people of action. Would you help us to remember that um, it's not just our own good ideas, but that in this moment, in praying to you, we are in action. That mission isn't always just with our hands and feet, but getting down on our knees and petitioning your throne of grace. That God, you are able, that your heart is that all would come to know you. Yes. And so would you expand our heart for this city? Would you expand our heart for our friends and family who don't know you? Would you help us to um, know your voice so that when you speak, we would be quick to discern it, we'd be quick to obey? Would you give us eyes to see where we can be missional this Christmas season and in this COVID season? Would you give us ears to hear that whisper? And would you help us to remember that we're not alone, that we have a community of faith that is ready and willing <laughs> to be your hands and feet extended to this community. So in all things, would you go before us? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for that panel discussion on mission. And I hope that you have some ideas percolating in your mind, in your heart, about how you can spread the love of Jesus this season. Before we get to our full announcements, I just want to do a quick housekeeping. As you have probably heard and noticed on our social media feeds, um, we are abiding by those provincial health orders that were brought down a couple of weeks ago. And so with that, the remainder of our in-person gatherings have been canceled yeah. for 2020 sadly but our offices are still open yes we are here <laughs> we would love to see you so feel free to come by the office monday through thursday nine to five we just ask that you would um, be mindful of your own health yeah that you wear a mask when you enter the building, hand sanitize, and for contact tracing purposes, we will just keep a visitor log of your visit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The next one is, we're so excited that tomorrow is actually when we start Advent. It's crazy that we're already beginning that process of anticipating Jesus' coming. And so on both our Instagram and our Facebook, we're releasing a video. Yeah. It's just a scripture reading, lighting a candle, and sharing a short thought with you guys. And so we hope that that just kind of adds to your Christmas season, begins that process uh, of anticipating that day, Christmas yeah. day. And so every Monday at 7.30 a.m., bright and early, those videos will be premiering on Facebook and on Instagram. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. We have our Christmas Eve service coming up yeah. as well, and that's gonna look different. Yeah, home for Christmas. It's even gonna look different than we <laughs> told you it was gonna look, True. because True. we are pivoting um, around all of these provincial health orders. So we will still be in your home for Christmas, mm -hmm. and it will still be full of a lot of fun and laughter. Yeah. 
and different people, you'll see different faces, um, but you're gonna have to just tune in. And be on our social media yes. on that day. I know that you may be doing like your last minute shopping. No, um, don't do that on Christmas Eve. Okay, well, there are those of us who don't start shopping in July. Um, but if you're on social media that day, check out our page, myevangel.church, because there will be a special giveaway that's coming that day too. And we're gonna have some bingo sheets and some fun things oh, yeah, to play along bingo. with. So that'll so be good. there as well. And then finally, if what we do here is kind of adding to your faith journey, uh, we would really appreciate if you would partner with us in this season. And so there are many ways that you can give. Um, we're actually here this morning, and so feel free to stop by. Again, wear your mask, do all those things, but stop by uh, and you can give anywhere from 9 a.m. till 12 p.m. today. And then if you're uh, here during the week, you can come visit us like we already talked about mm -hmm. in the office uh, and give anytime from 9 till 5 from Monday to Thursday. And then you can also give online as well. There is on our website, myevangel.church, there's like a little blue dot in the bottom corner of your page where you'll be able to do uh, what is online giving. You can set up a one-time payment or a recurring payment. And so that's just an easy way that uh, you can do that totally physically distant today and just set that up for you guys as well. Yeah, and if you're watching on Facebook, you can give right here, right True. now. Yeah, there's a donate button on your page. And so if you click that, it'll allow you to give as well. Yeah. Well, that's it for us. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And we really do hope that we'll see you face to face yeah. really soon because we miss you. But have a great week, friends. See you, friends.